All right, so should should be live now. So hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast, Detention Live. I am Michael, and I'm here tonight with two bonus special guest co-hosts, Chris Burlew from the Redemption Podcast, who joins me often. You're probably very familiar with him, and Mike Olson, uh, who is he's famous in the world of TTRPG design, well known. Actually, I went back into the archives back in 2014. We had you on for an interview yeah. for. The Atomic Robo role-playing game. I have said many times, even though I don't play a lot of Fate, I think reading the Fate Corp book is one of the best things I ever did for being a game master. And this is still one of my all-time favorite RPG books. The way that you and your team were able to incorporate the art from the books to explain the concepts of the game are second to none in any book I've read before or since. So, Mike, thank you so very much for joining us tonight. You bet. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, I actually got to play a game with you as well. Um, I don't know if you remember that. This was several years ago at Gen Con. Yeah. You were doing um, Games on Demand. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was one of those weird... Sparks Nevada? No, actually. Or was that the other fake game? Yeah, we did the... Uh, uh, you had a name for it. Basically, we were like famous uh, yeah. historical uh, figures. The Centurions of Science. It was an Atomic Robo game. It was just set in 1893. Yep, that, that was the one. Uh, and it was a ton of fun. So I want to thank you for that I'm as well. Like it. Uh, so we got Foxblade and New York Tater joining us already. Thank you both for hanging out with us. Uh, we're going to be doing pretty much a detention show for people who've watched it before. It's going to be pretty much similar. The big difference is in the middle where we normally do used books. We're actually going to talk a little bit about a project that Mike is currently working on. And if there are any audience questions for that, you can drop them in there. We'll do our best to answer them as best we can. And then we'll still have our regular audience Q&A at the end. Uh, so let's get into the show. The first thing we like to do here is called Extracurricular. And this is where we just talk about what we've been up to, top of mind, things of interest. Mike, I'll start with you. What have you been up to, buddy? I've been working on this book. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's the main thing. Uh, we have two kids, uh, one's in fifth grade, one's in second. And they're distance learning mm -hmm. um, because our, that's our, where our whole district is. And uh, that's been a thing. That certainly occupies a good chunk of my day. The oh, yeah. fifth grader, he can pretty much look after himself, although he does screw around, but we can't catch him because I have to be with the second grader all day. But, um, you know, that's been, that's been a thing to get used to. But I think we're, we're in the groove on that. What else, what else am I, can I think of anything else? I've watched two episodes of Lower Decks. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have not watched any of that yet. How, how is it? I, it's, well, I like a lot of the people on it. I like Tawny Newsome and Eugene Cordero. There's like really good people on it. But, uh, I, you know, I have no interest normally in like a Star Trek RPG, like just the premise of normal Star Trek, like just doesn't really do it for me. Mm -hmm. Kind of Picard pushed a little more in a direction of like, okay, I can see like having a ship and doing something, but like the Starfleet thing, I'm like, I don't, I don't really get it. But Lower Decks would be a great game. Okay. <laughs> you're, you're all the unimportant people on an unimportant ship. And, uh, what happens? You know, like, like the first episode is called Second Contact. So. After the Enterprise or something makes first contact, someone else has to come along and do the paperwork. And that's what, you know, the next, the second contact is. And that's like the boring, in, you know, unglamorous job. But like that's, you know, someone's got to do that. Right. So uh, it's, uh, it, I, I've enjoyed it. Like I said, I've only seen two. But, um, but you know, I, I, I've made time for that. And my wife and I also just finished watching Mindhunter on Netflix. Oh, I really, that's really like that show, show quite yeah. a lot. Yes. Yeah. I hope it comes back. Uh, it kind of freaked me out when I watched Hamilton because I had never seen it before until yeah, it, yeah. it was on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wait, I know. That. And then I had the thing where you're like, how do I know that person? Yeah. And then, you know, you go to Google or IMDb. And I was like, holy crap, that's the guy from Mindhunter. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was a, a combining of two worlds I did not think were going to go together at all. Yeah. My wife was a, 
uh, fan of Jonathan Groff's from Frozen because uh-huh. our second grader loves Frozen like a ton and loves Frozen 2 maybe more than Frozen, which is baffling, but he does. <laughs> um, so like we watched the making of Frozen, you know, series on Disney Plus. And uh, so from that, she's just like, I like that uh, that Jonathan Groff guy. And then she wanted to see Mindhunter off of that. So Mindhunter was really good, but like uh, I really hope they come back for another season because they did not leave it in a place oh, where are. you could leave it. Yeah, <laughs> they are. That's a popular one. Uh, hopefully. Well, yeah. I mean, I, it's my understanding. David Fincher let them let everyone go from their contracts because he had other stuff to do and he didn't want to stick them with a contract. So it's not canceled, but we don't know if their contracts are going to get renewed. But I hope so because it's real good. I well, agree. Very cool. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Chris, what about you? What you been up to? A uh, big thing for me is uh, this weekend's our first Boy Scout camp out of the year mm-hmm. and getting ready for all the new rules and all the temperature checks we have to do before we leave, the masks we have to make sure everybody has, uh, the extra gloves we have to have, making sure everybody has their own tent because you can't share a tent right now, mm. uh, making sure that you know a bunch of 12 to 18-year-olds understand the concept of six feet away. Good luck and, with that, sir. Yeah. Uh, a lot of planning activities that allow us to do stuff. So we're going to do a five-mile hike uh, followed by some identifying different plants, and then another group of kids is going to go do another five-mile hike because they have to do 10 miles this weekend and then 15 miles the following weekend for one of the merit badges. Mm. So this old guy only has to do five miles <laughs> this weekend. Nice. Um, other than that, just uh, doing the normal work, coming home, waiting for the gyms and stuff to open back up so I can get back to uh, losing weight, try to keep up with you. Yeah, good luck with that, sir. I, I had to have life changing surgery. You just had to put in effort. There's, you know, there's a little bit of difference yeah. there. Yeah. You should, uh, you should have those scouts play more D and D so they get used to thinking of the world in five foot squares. It'll be a uh, lot they, easier. They, they'll do I guess that, maybe uh, hero because those are actually two meter axes. <laughs> That's closer. They'll they'll play their version of uh, what they call Greg style D and D Saturday night, which is D and D without dice. They just describe what they want to do, and the person running it kind of decides if it works or not. Yeah, it worked for Amber. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't really get involved with that because they're kids, and the games usually involve random weirdness. And I go, okay, yeah. my old brain can't handle not having a linear story. I can't keep <laughs> jumping all over the place. Yeah. So. Cloud Atlas was not your book of choice. No. Yeah. Uh, so as for myself, I'm somewhat similar to Mike. I have two kids, a uh, fifth grader and a fourth grader. We're also doing virtual schooling as well. And both are doing probably better than I should have any right to expect, though we still have issues. And it doesn't help that we have terrible internet. My wife works from home. So very basically all day I have three people on the internet and I'm just trying to figure out, can I watch Netflix right now? Uh, <laughs> which sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. Uh, as far as TV, I'm into the boys. I very, very excited, which I, I loved Umbrella Academy. I I burned through yep. that. I loved it. But I was also I super excited about The Boys, which just came out for the second season. The fourth episode dropped mm-hmm. last Friday. And I, it's I, I didn't read the comics. So I, I know that it is a comic, but I'm not really familiar with the story. So for me, everything's new. And I just I, I love it. I can't wait for the next episode. I'm just burning through that. Those yeah. are two shows that I have not gotten to at all. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad because I want to, I want to get to them. I just I, just I think both are definitely worth your time. I get time isn't maybe something you have yeah, to yeah. spend, but if you do, 
Um, Umbrella Academy was kind of harder to get into. Like I watched the first couple episodes and it was okay. And then I kind of went away from it. And then I came back and then watched them all. And I don't know, maybe it was just maybe the familiarity of seeing the first episode again, even though I had already watched it once. Something grounded me in the world differently. And I really, really liked it. I thought the second season was even better than the first in a lot of ways. So I absolutely loved it. Uh, the Boys is a hard watch. It's because it's so bleak. Yeah, yeah. And, and if you're if you're not into that, it can be very difficult because it's it's not a pretty picture of the superhero world. It's right. probably more realistic. But again, we don't watch superhero shows for reality. We just escapism. And this is very much a if this was real, this is probably how it would be, and it would kind of suck. Right. But it's very, definitely enjoyable. Have you read The Authority? Because that's also like, look, if people could do the things superheroes could do, they would just take over. <laughs> I, I have not, actually, but I, I put that on my list of yeah. things to check out. Uh, New York Tater jumped in the chat. He is back home after five and a half months living in a hotel and now working from home. Uh, I, I don't know his exact job. I know he works in the government with, like, uh, hurricane like I guess FEMA or something like that. So if there's a lot of hurricanes going on, he's a very busy man who never gets to stay home. So thank you very much for what you do, New York Tater. I appreciate it. Uh, and then the last thing I would mention is I kind of got roped into helping out with a local sci-fi convention. It's I'd never heard of this before. It's called Filk, F-I-L-K. It's sci-fi yeah. music. Right. Well, it's any like fan music. Okay. Like it's like it's a music version of fan fiction, I guess. Like it's writing songs about things you're a fan of. So never heard of this huh. before. Uh, a, a friend of a friend of a friend basically is like, hey, you're into role playing games and they're looking because they're doing virtual this year to try to offer some gaming programs aimed at kids. I almost never run for kids. I have a few times, but I'm a little bit like I've run for my kids, but it's different because I can yell at them. Right, right. Uh, so I'm a little bit hesitant, but I've kind of got roped in. So I'm going to be running a, a game. For some kids, I'm going to be running a panel on how to start role-playing games uh, for younger people who want to start running games. And I've tried to pull in a couple other people to help me as well. I'm like, I'm not really good with the kid part. If you can help me with that, I can do the other stuff. (laughs) But it's still kind of cool. You know, part of our mission here at the Academy has always been to help new people get started. And, you know, what better than starting kids yeah. i guess but i am still terrified that i'm like dropping f-bomb or some kids gonna be like going crazy and we'll have to mute them off of the the game and then they're gonna complain so yeah i was gonna say i i really enjoy running for kids i like running for new people and kids and if there are new kids that's like the best because um i remember you know i started playing D when i was eight and i don't remember who ran that game but like someone ran that game and i got to mm-hmm. play in it and then it started this So it's really cool to me to get to be someone's first DM. And if they're a kid and this can be like a lifelong thing, that was me who did that. Yeah. I think it's really cool. I wrote, um, I wrote these, uh, Adventures League Adventures for San Diego Comic Con a couple of years ago. And friends of mine also in quarantine, when I put them up for sale, friends of mine said, is that something we can get and play? And I was like, no, I'll run them for you. (laughs) You you and your 10 year old son. So I ran D&D for them for like 12 weeks because they could only do an hour at a time. They have another kid. They couldn't just like leave her for four hours. Yeah. So it took forever to get through these three adventures, but it was a lot of fun. And then immediately thereafter, they got the starter set. And now that kid is DMing for his parents. Nice. That, so like, that, that's like exactly works. what we want to have happen. Yeah. My my fear is that it will go the other way and I will like destroy some kid's idea of what fantasy role playing is and they will never play again and it'll you know it'll be my fault or something. I think I mean, you know, the nor I think the normal things that I keep in mind when I run a game, like be a fan of the player characters and 
you know, let make sure they know you're not there to kill them. The monsters are, but you're not. And like you're it's a collaborative thing that we're doing, all that stuff. I think that all goes a long way with kids, especially if you take time to really spotlight like the cool thing they did and mm. describe it, you know, work with them to describe it in a really cool way. So they're always feeling good about their character and feeling like they're doing something exciting all the time. You know, that's I think that's really important. It's easy when you have two adults and one kid because you can just throw everything at the one kid. Mm. So when you have a table of kids, like I've had, I run D and D at San Diego Comic Con all the time, uh, not this year, um, yeah. but uh, it's we get a lot of new people and a lot of kids. I've had in like a seven person all kids table before, and you just have to like get find out what's exciting to each of those kids you know during play and then do that thing with them mm. and uh you know just try to move the spotlight around i don't know well i still appreciate the advice i i do a lot of that when i run because i i focus a lot on running games for people who are new but they're yeah. adults who are new yeah. uh so the, the kid thing's the part that worries me a little bit uh so new york tater did respond he does work for fema response operations covering new jersey new york <laughs> puerto rico and u.s virgin islands uh, and Tad B is also here. He says present. So he probably will jump they're off because he always does that. They're not anywhere near each other. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. I was going to say it's quite a territory. All right. Yeah. So we'll move into our first improv game. This one is called 10 Things. The idea here is that we will prompt one another to come up with a list of 10 things that fit the prompt. Immediacy is more important than accuracy, but, you know, we'll see how things go. Uh, Mike, you're the extra bonus special co-host. So would you like to go first, second, or third? Uh, is, is it going to be the same topic for all of us? No. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll go first. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Chris, you're the other co-host. Do you want to give Mike his prompt, or do you want me to? Go ahead. Okay. All righty. Um, I try to use it to tie it back to things that we've talked about, if I right. can. Um, okay, well, it's simple. You mentioned the authority as a comic, so yeah. I'll just say give me 10 comics that I should read. Okay. Well, Atomic Robo, that's an easy one. What? Um, uh, Ms. Marvel, the uh, Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel is real good. Um, Young Two. Avengers Two. and Secret Three. Avengers. Three, four. By um, uh, Bendis. Uh, that, this was back during, a, this was years ago, but reading both of those, I thought were, uh, they were really cool. They were really great comics. And the whole Secret Invasion arc that was happening then in Marvel was really entertaining. Um what else do I like? Well, I got a bunch of old uh, Savage Sword of Conan comics downstairs. Fine. And, uh, right. you know, can't go wrong with that. Um, Superman, uh, All-Star Superman also is uh, super good. Um, what else? There's got to be something else I'm forgetting. And people are like, how could you not say? Or I'll be saying to myself, how could you not say later? Um, oh, you know real. what? I would be, you know, I, it's it's a little tiny bit self-serving, but... That D&D versus Rick and Morty was really good. Seven? Okay. <laughs> Rick and Morty versus D&D. Like, I, it, was, it was really great. Um, I'm a sucker for Star Wars and also theme parks. So the Galaxy's Edge comic series that Marvel put out was really cool. Because okay. I like more about Galaxy's Edge. And there's a bunch of stories set there. I thought that was neat. Eight. Um, Eight. What else do I pick up on a normal basis? What am I normally getting? Um, you know, I don't. Oh, there's one I can't think of the name. This was years ago. I, most of my big comic reading was years ago, but um, they don't I have to be real. I know, but I can't. <laughs> I don't know. It was about it was about a kid whose father was basically like had written these Harry Potter stories, Harry Potter like stories, and the main character was named after his son. And so the son has been living with this like nonsense famous dad, all this all this attention on him about these stories, and he he hates it. 
But then he finds out it's true. Ah. And there were stories about him. And then like his whole life turns upside down. And it was a really clever comic. I can't remember who wrote it. It was so good, though. Uh, someone figure that out for me, please. Yeah, I'll find it, out later. All right. Nine, um, the un unnamed Harry Potter-esque story. Yeah, I don't know what I meant. I am not recommending J.K. Rowling. Just want to make it clear. Just this book, this comic was real good. Um, and then years ago, I don't know if you could track this down, but just the form factor alone was really entertaining. DC put out a series of comics, uh, Wednesday comics, that were in newspaper form. So like every comic was like, like a page of one character and another page of some other comic. Hmm. Um, and it was all like, you know, like broadsheet form. And uh, it was really cool. I don't know if you can find them now, okay. but uh, it was it was neat. Plus, it was like if you ever just want to read a bunch of stories about DC, I bet they're online. If you want to read a, a single volume that had like Superman and Commandy in it, like, you know, it was it was great for that. All right. Ten. Yay. Hey. All right. So, Mike, you will get to give Chris his prompt for his 10 thing list. <laughs> I don't want to have to think of a thing. <laughs> um, I already did comics. So I can't do that with you. Oh, you can. Well, I don't Thank want you. to. <laughs> <laughs> we said it wouldn't be the same topic. That's true. That's um, true. What did we talk about? We talked about Cub Scout stuff. Talked about. Um, talked about streaming shows a little. Can you come up with ten streaming shows on any platform that are like things you would really recommend? Wow. The guy who doesn't watch a lot of streaming stuff. Okay. Well, then I, I take it back. No, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Chris and Michael talk. One. Uh, baking with Chris. Two. All right. Uh, Chris's wife bakes better than Chris. <laughs> Three. And true. Good one. Uh, Chris is learning to clean. Four. Uh, Chris wishes he could do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but is sitting in his living room staring at the world. It's It's a... Deep character study. Five. Yeah, that one's yeah. a thinker. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a little slow, that one. Uh, meeting new people at conventions. Six. That'd actually be a fun one. Uh, Middle-aged morons. Seven. <laughs> it's like Beavis and Butthead, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, Chris buys a new computer. Eight. Because I need to do that. Uh, let's see. What's my kid like to watch? Chris learns Minecraft. Nine. That could take a while. And my kid Chris's would watch kid, that. Chris's kid teaches him Minecraft while rolling his eyes. Yay! Ten <laughs> things. Congratulations. <laughs> All righty, sir. And finally, you can get to give me my prompt. All right. Uh, you know, what? I think I'll stick kind of with a comic book theme in a way. And okay. since we like Legendary, uh, can you give me ten names uh, of new powered people that you'd like to create? Oh my god, dude! Oh. Seriously, uh, uh, damn it! <laughs> I know they don't have to be real, but even then, I'm still like, um, I thought this would be easier for you. No, no, this is very, very difficult. Um, so, robotanist, who's a robot mm -hmm. botanist, uh, Commander Murica. Dude. I don't really like the way that's leaning because that's not how I lean, but it's still funny. Um, super person. Three. Uh, silvered supple sable. No, that, that sounds awful. Uh, <laughs> spider pig. Simpsons already did Five. it, but it's still funny. Um, kitty vengeance. Kitty bang bang. 
Yep. Six? Yeah. Um, Culverine? Seven. <laughs> Dead Puddle? Eight. Uh, I'm going through all the comics. I don't read that much anymore. Uh, the girls. I love the boys. I probably love that too. Nine. And uh, Captain Starshine. Ten. Yay! <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you all for playing these silly reindeer games. Uh, so now we're going to move into, again, used books. It's, it's often sort of the meat and potatoes of the show, but we're going to do a special version, version tonight in honor of Mike joining us. Mike has a project that you're currently working on. It's on Kickstarter as we speak. We yes. didn't have enough time to get what we would traditionally do, like a show and tell for it. So we want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about this and maybe tell people why they should go check it out and what they will find if they do. So, Mike, take it away. Please. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate the opportunity. First, though, I got to know, what is used books normally? Like, what are we depriving the people of? So normally what it is is one of us talks about a campaign that we've played in the past that either went terribly bad and we've learned lessons from or went really well. And we learned lessons from. So it's either right. like a do different or do more of sort of situation in a previous campaign that we played or oh, ran. That's valuable. So we're not doing that, though. <laughs> <laughs> but you can come so, back in two weeks for that. Yeah. OK, yeah. great. Um, all right. So the uh, I'm working on a book with Jim Zub. Jim Zub wrote the uh, Rick and Morty versus D&D that I mentioned earlier. He's written a lot of the Baldur's Gate comic series. He's writing the Avengers right now. Um, he's written Conan. So he's he's a big comic type. He also worked with Watsi on uh, Descent into Avernus. Um, I uh, I saw him at D and D Live play um, Minsk from Baldur's Gate, and he'd shaved his head and he had the tur purple tattoo oh, over wow. his eye. And Matt Mercer played Boo, and Matt Mercer just squeaked the whole time, mm -hmm. and uh, that was pretty good. Uh, anyway, so he wrote this comic ten years ago called Skull Kickers. That's like a really, it's very D and D. It's informed by D and D for sure. Um, it could easily just be a D and D game, but um, it's about these uh, two guys, Rex and Rolf. One's a big burly human, the other's a dwarf, and um, they're just mercenaries with like virtually no ethics, <laughs> and they and they get screwed over a lot, and they try to do things for money, and you know things just blow up in their face all the time. Um, it started as a short that he and uh, an artist had done called two coppers because the joke was they'll they'll kill anyone for two coppers um and then they enjoyed they had fun doing that so then um jim did more skull kickers so over he did six volumes and 36 issues of this comic and uh, it's a beloved comic now um so he wanted to do something special for the 10th anniversary of skull kickers so he's written a new 36 page or 30 page skull kickers comic and he's combining that in a hardcover with like a 60, 70 page D&D adventure. Oh, okay. Fifth edition. Um, so the comic is about this Wizards Academy, this tower, and then the whole, the adventure is that tower and the dungeon under it. So it's a, it's like an adventure location that's, you know, touched upon, described in the comic. Um, but we go into a lot more detail, obviously, in the adventure. And, uh, it's, uh, been really cool to work on. Um, it's, uh, like I said, the, you said the Kickstarter is going on now. It's already funded. We're in the, phase where we're trying to hit stretch goals i think the next stretch goal might be more rpg content so i would love to hit that stretch goal because i'm the i'm the lead writer of this and i'm the one who has to decide what we cut okay and i don't want to cut anything yeah so yeah. <laughs> so if we can hit stretch goals where we, i don't have to cut anything that would be great because we have too much uh, good stuff already 
Now, uh, you say you said it's going on right now. Do you know how yeah. much time has left? Uh, how many days before it ends? Uh, I think it has. I want to say like seventeen days. Okay, eighteen days. Um, you can uh, you can so when you when you see this or whatever you can look it up. Um, Skull Kickers, Caster Bastards, and the Great Grotesque. That's the name of the book. And it, it's going to look great. He's gotten great cover art for it. And it's going to be, it's going to have the trade dress of an actual fifth edition D&D book, um, which uh, may be confusing, but uh, it looked real good. <laughs> it may get some sales that way. Nice. Um, so, yeah, it's it's uh, really cool. I'm really honored to be a part of it. Um, you've talked about Atomic Robo before, and uh, that's that's how I got to be on it, actually. He put out a call for people to work with. And so I responded to that call and mentioned I was uh, that I'd written the Atomic Rover RPG. Then he went right to Brian Clevenger. Was like, "How was this guy?" Brian said, "Great." He went, "Okay, good." <laughs> and then uh, yeah, called me back and immediately brought me on. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was exciting because right. um, he's a big name and it's it's cool to get to work with. Uh, and he's also a super nice guy. Like he's been he's just been really good with everything. He's he's very busy working on comic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It's me and two other writers, um, Eleanor Jordan and Clint Cronk. And Eleanor Jordan's done a ton of stuff on DMs Guild. If you look up ERF Jordan, she has just put out like so much content. It's ridiculous. And she's 20 years old or something, but she's just churned out so much material. So um, she, it's great to work with her because I know like she can just crank out anything. <laughs> right. She's just written so much stuff. Uh, Clint. Mm-hmm. Um, is actually the brother of Jim's first DM, I want to say. If that's not accurate, then <laughs> correct me, Clint. But I think that was the case. Um, and Clint's a cartographer, and he's working on other projects himself. He's working on something with Ed Greenwood. Okay. So uh, he comes from a good pedigree as well. And um, it's been a lot of fun so far working with both of them, coming up with Skull Kicker's appropriate stuff for this Wizard's Tower, which is not a direct parody of Hogwarts, but if we sometimes veer into parroting Hogwarts. We're like, well, you know, it's kind of unavoidable at this point in the culture. Right. Um, if you didn't do it, people would, would it'd ask. It'd be weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so somebody asked for the Kickstarter name again. I will say oh, that once it gets to this audio only and on YouTube, I'll actually put a link in there for it. Okay. But if you don't mind one more time. Yeah. Skull Kickers, Caster Bastards, and the Great Grotesque. But there's only one Skull Kickers Kickstarter going. So if you just search Kickstarter Skull Kickers, you can't miss it. Yeah, excellent. Uh, and then I normally like to ask, like this was a traditional show and tell, I always like to ask, what's the entry-level pledge if I want to, you know, yeah, if I want to get the D&D is, stuff, because that's what I'm probably most interested in, what's it going to cost I, me? I got to say, now, I, I don't know anything about running Kickstarters. I think these price points on these reward tiers are a crazy good deal. Okay. <laughs> they seem very low to me. So if you just want the PDF of this, which is going to come with a bunch of extra stuff, including maps and, you know, like lots of digital assets. That is $14 Canadian because Jim's in Canada, which is like $10 US. Okay. $10 US, you get the thing. You get all the thing and the electronic versions of the that, other that things. Is that, that is very it's cheap. That is very cheap. It's crazy. Yep. If you want the printed book, that is ends up being like $40 US, which still is really good. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like lower is. middle, I would say, yeah, for books. Yeah. Um, there is a limited edition tier that comes with this great map drawn by Mike Schley. Mike Schley drew this map for Jim years ago to put in a trade paperback for some other book. or um, And then I found it online. And I was like, are we putting this in the Kickstarter? Because it's gorgeous. And it's a really cool map of the setting, which like the setting doesn't get explored a whole lot in mm-hmm. the comics. So it's cool to have a map of the, like, here's what he thought of the setting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so, so that's in there too. Um, at the limited edition level, um, you get this big map of the whole you know, setting, the continent or whatever. And it's a funny map. On the reverse side are maps from the adventure that you might want to use. So it's, uh, it's two things. Okay. It's, uh, it's useful as well as pretty. That's... Um, and it comes with some, some other stuff too. All right. But uh, I think, yeah, like a more, like a more special book. Uh, exactly. Probably like faux leather or actual yeah. leather, probably some ribbon bookmarks, yeah. all the cool stuff. Or like an embossed gold leaf something. Oh, nice. Um, there's, uh, I know there are higher levels. These are the levels that like I personally never pay attention to because I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, pay a thousand dollars to have my name in a comic book. It's just like, I, I just, I just can't justify it. Kudos to super fans who can, and there always are. I saw that on all the Atomic Robo Kickstarters. Mm-hmm. Always has people who are like, yes, put me in the comic or whatever it is. So we have some tiers like that, I believe. Um, but like I say, go to the Kickstarter and uh, check it out. And I, again, I'm glad you asked about the price points because I just, it seems like such a good deal to me. Excellent. Chris, I think you were trying to jump in. Do you have any questions? Uh, do you get to play the two characters from the comics? Yes, actually, there are, there are, I say two, because it started with two, but very quickly he introduced a third. Um, so yeah, Rex and Rolf are in there, as well as Kuzia, who is this elf-like ranger assassin that uh, is an enemy, then becomes an ally of theirs. Um, so we'll, what we're, I've statted them up as sidekicks. Uh, if you want to play them as PCs, those sidekick stat blocks are pretty good. Like, you can just play them as PCs. But it's not an adventure where you're necessarily supposed to play the comics, the characters from the comics. But okay. if you want to play your own characters and also have them around, that we think that's the cooler option. Okay. But the, like those sidekick stat blocks from um, that Essentials kit, mm-hmm. right? Um, so they're in that format. And there's guidelines for leveling them up to 10th level because this goes, this takes you from first level to probably like ninth level. Okay. So it's a good, it's a good length of a campaign. We're using milestones. So it might go a little quicker than, uh, than if you're using XP. But, right. um, but we're always very carefully thinking about like, okay, so they can gain a level here. What's the next thing? Because <laughs> we want them to be like ninth level at the end. So we're, we're always working out like, what's a, what's a cool little, you know, like chapter, you know, a little climax that this can result in a new level. Right. Um, so yeah, so you can, you can play those characters from the comic. All right. Nice. Uh, and I'll throw it out just to, to chat. We have a few people who are hanging out with us. Uh, we're still going to do like our general audience Q&A at the end like we always do. But if you have any specific questions for Mike about this Kickstarter, I'll give you a couple minutes because I know there's a little bit of a delay. Uh, if you'd like to try to get them in now, obviously we'll do what we can to answer all of them. Uh, but I did want to ask, uh, and again, hopefully you, you know this, uh, is this something that's kind of like already at the phase where it's almost done? Like when, when's it going to actually be delivered once the Kickstarter closes? Is it a couple months? Is it next year? What, what do we think I we'll think, actually have in our hands? I think the, I think the delivery date is down as June. Okay. Of 2021. I think it's, it's smart it's to plan bad. for a little extra time in these, these unprecedented times for a Kickstarter. Cause like publishing is more difficult now. And, um, so is the postal service for the time being. So True. I think that's all True. been taken into account. The guy running the Kickstarter, uh, George Rohack has run all of the, uh, Atomic Robo Kickstarters. And they, they do Kickstarters, you know, periodically to do like nice hardcover, uh, compilations of that comic. So I know that he knows what he's doing. So if he set those price points there and he set that delivery date there, I'm like, well, that's, that works then. It's always nice when you have someone who's got experience as someone who's run several Kickstarters themselves yeah. for my convention. The first one, I had absolutely no flipping idea what I was yeah. doing, and I still couldn't run a product Kickstarter, but I'm pretty good at running, you know, a Catacon Kickstarters these days. And, you know, I think 
you're, if you know what you're doing, you can set reasonable dates and targets. And I think there's no reason other yeah. than unforeseen circumstances, which are by definition unforeseen and unexpected, that you'll probably hit those. So, I should bring up, too, that um, Jim's a big fan of Ravenloft, like I-6, you know, the original Ravenloft. And Me he too. really, in particular, loved the isometric uh, maps mm-hmm. of like the, the castle and stuff. So that's what we have. We have a very Ravenloft reminiscent, this cool isometric maps of this tower, like going all the way up for every floor. Uh, obviously, I mean, why wouldn't you do every floor? And Marco Bernardini. Well, is well there's the, one floor you don't do just because why? Thirteenth <laughs> floor. Yeah. Um, so Marco Bernardini is the uh, the guy drawing those maps, and they're also very beautiful. They've been previewed on the, the Kickstarter page. If you want to take a look at them too. And he also got uh, Edwin Huang and Misty Coates, who are his uh, artists and colorists, um, back on the back on board to do this to do this comic. So it's like the original team that did the Skullkicker comics in the first place. So it's a cool. Uh, school getting the band back together thank you nice all right well again i really appreciate you sharing that with me and i in all honesty i will go check it out i'm not sure i'll back it but for 10 bucks i probably will i'm very excited about it uh i just think it's a really cool book and like i say it's already funded so you know we know we know it's coming Mm -hmm. um and i'm just really excited about um putting it together and working with uh eleanor and clint and making up cool stuff for it and i think it's Uh, All three of us, I think, have come up with some good ideas together. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So I recommend checking it out. All right. Very, very cool. So one last time, I'll I'll pause just a couple seconds to see if anybody in chat has any questions for you. Uh, While we're waiting on that, Chris, do you have any questions? Is the I'm kind of getting a feeling the comics were a little more lighthearted. So is the adventure a little more lighthearted? Yeah. Yeah, there's a definitely... Jim put together a whole document of like what Skull Kicker's humor is. Like what you know, what is, what is appropriate for Skull Kickers and what isn't? And uh, there is a definite sense of, I mean, it is a funny comic. Um, and there's a definite like point of view and comic sensibility about it. And, uh, I'm taking that into account all the time when we're writing like what, what fits and what doesn't fit? What can we, you know, get away with? And, you know, what can I see happening in Skull Kickers comic and what wouldn't? Um, but, um, it's not, um, it's, it's not like goof. It's not goofy. It's not right. like wacky slapstick. Um, but, uh, one big thing that comes up in the comic a lot is that when lots of people get together and form a group, they are dumb. They, <laughs> they make bad decisions as a group. So, um, there's this, all this bureaucracy in this wizard's academy, uh, that's, that's, is housed in this tower. And so that itself can be a thing we can exploit in the adventure for, you know, like what it's just, it can be a confusing morass of things to get through for the characters while they're trying to do something else. They could be students of the academy. They could just be there to steal things either way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's funny. It's funny, but um, I, I I think it has a really cool sensibility. Nice. Is this for all ages? More adult themed? It is. There is profanity in the comic that is uh, garbled out. Okay. <laughs> you know. Okay. So and it's there's like, not and it's kind of like Star Wars where they make up their own stuff. Yeah, yeah. So profanity is garbled out in the comic, and there it is pretty bloody and gory. I gotta say, but it is also like comic book bloody gory. Like it's not right graphic, um, but there's there's plenty of of that going on. Um, so it's, uh, it's yeah, comic I, book, not hell. I would say I would say teen, a teenage audience, okay. you know, around like fourteen and up. I think is probably a good starting point. Maybe thirteen, fourteen. Jim may think something different, but I can see it. Uh, there's also he's in. I, I think they're they're doing an animated series. I know because he showed us the uh, the script for the pilot of that, and I don't know if that's landed somewhere. 
but uh, I'll say the animated series does not garble out the profanity. Ah. So, <laughs> so animated series, not for kids. Yes. Gotcha. Comic book, yeah, sure. Yeah, PG-13. Little kids, we want them to read. Adults, we just want them to veg out on the couch. It's yeah. the, the natural yeah. evolution of the human psyche. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, with that, we will go ahead and move on into everyone's favorite part of the show. And by everyone, I mean no one except for New York Tater. And that is, yeah. where have my fingers been? So this is the improv game where we're once again going to prompt one another. Uh, we're going to come up with a scenario that you will then role play out using your fingers as puppets. Uh, usually it involves two puppets, but if you want to be Scott, you can bring in a third and try to add, add an extra flavor. I don't suggest it, but you do you. And the, basically the scenarios can be almost anything, but it's usually like waiting in line or seeing something along the, you know, along those lines. Um, have You said you watched an episode, so you've, you've at least seen one instance of this. Yes. Correct. Okay. Uh, but the most important thing is the song. You have to do the song or New York Tater will result. But again, Michael, you are the special guest co-host. Do you want to go first, second, or third in terms of actually doing the actions? I got to say this New York Tater sounds like he really has you in his grip. He, he does. But if he's also... Need, blink, what, blink if you need help. Blink twice if you need help. <laughs> if you need me to call someone. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I'll text someone. Yes, very good. Uh, but yeah, would you like to go first, second, or third? No, this time I definitely want to go... Second or third. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then I'll let you. Do you want to prompt first, or you want to be? We, no, no. I would like you to. I would like to not be involved at all in the first one, because I still need to get a handle. Okay. On it. I did see it once before, but all right. The, I will prompt Chris. Chris will prompt you, and then you can prompt me. Right. Okay. Right. So Chris, first of all, sing the song. Where have my fingers been? I said, Where have my fingers been? Your fingers are in a Cub Scout first aid tent. Dealing with a, was it Gary D&D injury? <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. I got, I, I, look, look, look. What is it? We, we were playing, you know, the D&D where we make things up, but we don't actually roll dice. And, and it, look, uh, I don't really see any injury. You were probably just sitting in your chair. What happened? Uh, well, my character killed the dragon and I jumped up. And I was really excited. And uh, then, I don't know. I'm here now. Look, my finger. You don't have fingers. We are fingers. And that's oh where my, my God, fingers are. got real meta. Wow. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> I hope the Cub Scout knew he was a finger. I thought most of it he wasn't aware of the reality of his situation. There's no rule saying it has to make sense. Because yeah. if there was, I, I, we would stop stopped doing it a long time ago. Yeah, dark turn. Okay, all right. So, Chris, now you get to prompt Mike and give him a situation where his fingers have been. But, Mike, again, I'm sorry, you have to sing the song. Okay. Go ahead. I thought I'd get the prompt before I sing No, it. no, you so, sing the song first. Okay, it's where have my fingers been? I say where have my fingers been? Uh, yep. Nope. Close enough. <laughs> Good. Uh, they are at the library. Oh, at the library. Uh, all right. Excuse me. Shh. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Excuse me. Um, I'm looking for a for a book. Sure, we we have books. Uh, what what kind of book? It's um, I don't know the name of it. Though. Okay, well, do you know the author? Uh, no. Um. No, it's I can't. I I forget. Yeah. Okay. Well, what what it's what's the subject matter? What's it about? I don't 
Ugh. I feel like I knew it right before. I I don't know. It's yellow. It's a yellow book. Uh, so that I know it's a yellow book, and it's supposed to be really good. It's yeah, it's yellow. Well, um, all right. Let's go to the yellow book section. It's a library that yeah. categorizes things by color. Turns out it was okay. Yeah, I, I have pretty much had that discussion with my wife before. Like that felt she to me like you remember. were channeling something that you've yeah. been through. That felt really yeah. real to me. Uh, a friend of mine used to work at a bookstore in Vancouver, and he that sort of thing would happen sometimes, where they, they didn't know anything about the book except for the color. And then he's like, "Oh, can't help you." Sorry. Yeah, excellent. All right, so then, Mike, you will give me the prompt for my fingers. Right. Where have my fingers been? I said, "Where have my fingers been?" Okay. Uh, where have your fingers been? That is a That's question. A good question. <laughs> um, I'm looking around this room here, so I'm going to say atop the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> Seriously, dude, you do that every effing time that we come up here. I cannot have it. I am just absorbed with the scenery. Um, okay, first of all, we're in Vegas, not actual Paris. This is the fake Eiffel Tower. I don't care. Plus, I think that thing didn't burn down like 20 years ago. Yes, we're ghosts. Ah! And that's where my fingers have been. Three twists. (laughs) Everyone had a big twist. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Chad, for subscribing. We really appreciate that. Thank you so very much. All right. So, uh, Tad, actually, sorry. That's what it meant to say get on it my my kentucky accent got in the way all right so we're going to move into our next to last event and this is our cryptozoology and this is where we talk about a monster or monsters usually from DD, but not always and talk about maybe ways we've used them in the past or brainstorm some interesting ways that we could use them in the future mike you are our bonus guest co-host so what creature did you want to talk about tonight uh animated objects this is awesome. I was very excited when you mentioned that. Uh, so we'll let you start. So have, have, this is a creature, I guess we'll define them as creatures you used before. What do you find interesting about using them? Yeah, I used them in um, one of the adventures I wrote for, for San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, this bit, the scene takes place in a marketplace. There's like this busy marketplace. And, um, you know, there's people hawking wares and stuff. And at some point, uh, the chairs and tables come alive and attack everyone. Um, so there's like no getting away from it. Everyone's surrounded by it. That's what made me think of it. And then you can, it's fun to narrate things like, you know, you lunge at it with your rapier and you just destroy the wicker back of the chair, you know, whatever. There's like all kinds of things you can throw in there. But the thing that really made me think of it was that um, when I ran D&D for my now 10 year old, like probably three years ago, um, I quickly figured out that he was not going to fight anything that he thought would get hurt. Like okay. if it actually would be hurt, like in pain. He didn't want to fight anything. And he made this halfling with a 16 strength and a battle axe and all this stuff. I thought he was like ready to go. And he just didn't want to fight anything. He would fight undead and like oozes probably, you know, like any, as long as it didn't seem like a person. Okay. So I was like, okay, so only undead. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Um, So there was a bit that was kind of like Night at the Museum where some museum in town was having a problem and they were keeping a real hush hush. So they needed like an adventurer to go in there and just take care of the things that were moving around um, so that a wizard could go in there and then like 
dispel magic on, you know, do some ritual that would end it. But he couldn't get it. He couldn't do it because everything was moving around in there. So I was like, aha, see, I can all just be like animated stuff. Like he won't hurt anything. It's all museum exhibits and taxidermy and stuff. So he walks in and the first thing that moves is this uh, animated armor. I'm like, this is where I'm going to get him. Like, and he's going to realize like, oh no, this whole place is coming alive. Animated armor comes at him. It's his turn. I say, what do you do? He goes, I want to use my axe to lift up the visor just to make sure it isn't a friend in there. <laughs> That's very sweet. Your kid gives uh, me hope for humanity. Let me yeah, tell you. Yeah. Yes. And I thought it was, but I thought it was so cool because it could have been a friend in there. <laughs> yeah. But also like, you know, it really made me appreciate how much mileage you can get out of things. I, I normally like monsters that like organize and they have societies and personalities you can interact with and all this stuff. You can't really do that much with animated objects, but they're so versatile. Uh, you can you can use them in lots of situations. Like, I think one problem is always like, if it's like some ancient tomb that no one's been in for a long time, you can always have animated armor or animated something else in there. Uh, that always works. At least I always want to justify like, why is this? Why is something in here? <laughs> what are right. we doing there? And uh, those things don't need to eat or anything. So that's a pretty good one. Um, and then, yeah, I, like in that adventure, that Comic-Con adventure, I always had fun uh, playing the tables and chairs uh, that attacked everyone. Um, well, also, I ran um, Forge. Was it Forge of Fury? It was a 3.5 adventure that they redid for fifth in Tales from the Yawning Portal. And I ran it for a group. And there is an animated table in there in a dungeon, just like out of nowhere. There's just an animated table. <laughs> doesn't make a lot of sense. But uh, it's very funny also to mime the table, like running like a horse and rearing up and, you know, pawing at adventures with its mm -hmm. hooves or not hooves. <laughs> so there's a, there's a lot of fun to be had with animated objects, I think. All right. So what about you, Chris? Have you ever used these or do you have any ideas for how you could? Uh, I've only used them once and it was in more of a kind of a spooky horror setting. But I used them more to build the atmosphere because they could hear things crashing in the other room and then they'd get there and there's nothing in there. And then eventually they figured out that it's animated objects moving oh. around. And that's part of the storyline, too, is they were actually people that had been polymorphed into the animated objects. Oh. But it's a bigger story. But I used it more as an atmosphere thing and to build the tension more than enemies they had to fight. And it was also fun to play around with moving the lighting in a room, so to speak. Uh -huh. Not They really couldn't figure out why the shadows were moving. Is the way I would that's great. It. Because and as like a as a trick to get them to go deeper or flee from the thing behind them, whatever, like that's real good because yeah. just the noises ought to be enough to either, you know, interest them or make them want to run. Yeah, and like I said, the torch would move a little bit, which would cause the shadows to change. So then they were chasing shadows and it was neat. It was a good yeah, way of great. building the, the atmosphere. Right. Have you ever used a Michael? Uh, a couple of times back in my younger days when I was a really bad DM and I like to just screw my players over. Uh, one of my encounters that I really enjoyed was to have a suit of animated armor that they found. But, of course, they didn't know it was animated until one of them put it on. Yep. And, you know, <laughs> I think that's classic. I, mean, I don't I'm yeah. not too original, but I still think that's kind of a fun encounter because now you have the the difficulty of how do you deal with this? You you have to defeat the armor, but you basically got to beat the crap out of your friend at the same time. So to your kid's point, you know, there could be a friend trapped in there that would like to get out, but it can't. So, you know, what attacks do you use? Uh, it, it sort of almost comes like a meta game in a bit. You know, you want to use bludgeoning if you can, just for the narrative that you're not like stabbing people and casting yeah. fireballs at them. Um, but then also, can you negotiate with an animated object? Like what is its purpose? You know, you could potentially give the armor a bit of a personality. And if you could convince it 
that, you know, it's been in this dungeon for a thousand years. Does it want to go see the world? Then maybe it can actually become a very beneficial magical item. It gets the benefit of having magic armor, but it also, you know, can do things for you. Like maybe you get a bonus to your armor class because the, the armor knows to duck even if you don't. It doesn't have to be a you're screwed, but I think it's still an interesting situation to see how it plays out. They can do a full metal alchemist thing where you just have a suit of armor that walks around with your underwear and is your buddy. Yeah, you don't have to be wearing it. You know, eventually yeah. it just walks away with you. Uh, New York Tater mentioned animated armor that makes you walk funny, like a Monty Python <laughs> bit. That could always be good. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I do really like that you talked about the taxidermy because that has something I hadn't really thought of before. But that could be a kind of a cool setup that maybe like early in the adventure – you mentioned there's this, you know, crazy wizard or this, uh, you know, eccentric millionaire, whatever the term would be in D&D world, that has this really extensive museum of, you know, taxidermied animals. They've, they've hunted all the beasts across the continent, whatever. And as they get closer to it, they start seeing lots of more animated objects that are somewhat benign, but there's just a bunch of them, not realizing that maybe something is just like a universal effect, a general effect of this whole area that eventually when they get inside, all of these things have the potential of being animated. So, you know, you've got potential dragon bone skeletons. They're not actual skeleton dragons, but they're animated objects of the skeletons. That could be like a really cool yeah. set piece for the final of a, like even like a lower level, you almost get the fun of playing against these tough creatures, but they're not really those creatures. They don't have all their abilities. But I don't know. That'd be cool, especially if you, if you do play with maps and minis. You know, put the big dragon mini on the table, but it's only yeah. got like eighty hit points instead of you know five hundred. Well, and it's a way to if like you if you have like a a real location based campaign, like let's say you you've built up all these connections or something in a city, and it's the game isn't really about like going out you know, of the city, but doing stuff there. It's a way to bring the other stuff in, right? You. You don't have to go find the dragon. You can bring, you know, or the owlbear or whatever. It can all just be in this place. I was also thinking as you were talking, what would be really cool is if there were one animated object and that could spread its animatedness like a virus, like mm. if it touched a thing, then that thing becomes animated. Cause then once you figure that out, you got it's like chasing after that one thing, that one chair or broom or whatever it is. And uh, while all these other things are coming to life as it like run in, runs into stuff. And that's, that seems like a pretty fun setup. Yeah, I like that. Also, somewhat along those lines, but that's sort of like uh, you're chasing like a possessed, like a ghost that possesses people. So you're fighting the chair and you destroy yeah. it, but now the broom comes alive. And when you destroy yeah. the broom, so you have to find a way to defeat the spell that created it. But, you know, you can fight these all day because if you don't fight it, they're going to beat you senseless with the brooms. Right. But that's not really the, the goal. The goal is to stop the spell itself somehow or some effect. Yeah, that's good. Could use them, and this might be a little mean in a way, but uh, use them as ways of spying on the party. So you could build a, a storyline up where every time the players come up with a story, the bad guy is always one step ahead of them until they spot the animated object spying on them, and then they have to outthink the bad guy. Be kind of a neat way of doing yeah, it good. too. Yes. I like the idea of animated objects with some intelligence. Like maybe they can't talk, but they have personalities, and they can communicate in some rudimentary way with whoever is familiar with them you know that's that's funny mm -hmm. or like you know a chair that pulls itself out from under you almost like attunement like if you just hang around with it long enough yeah yeah that's cool i like finding other uses for attunement this is a tangent but okay. i like attuning to like you know a place or something or like to uh, an animated object now you can communicate with it or something it's a neat idea 
I like maybe the idea of a stool that has a complex because it's not really a chair. Yeah. You know, so just, it's always has this thing about how it's, it's once I, I, you can, you know, sit on me just like a four-legged chair. I don't, I'm, you know, but there's like this weird complex going. I don't know right. where yeah. I would go with that, but it just struck me as funny. All right. Uh, we'll throw out the chat if, if, if anybody uh, has had any, any interesting encounters with animated objects or uh, we've had a couple suggestions already and a couple of comments. But if you have any ideas, please uh, let us know. Uh, we're going to move into the last Q&A. But before we do that, we'd like to go around the idea around the horn and let people know where they can get a hold of us on social media. Uh, you can plug the project one more time if you want. Max, we'll start with you. If people want to find you online, where should they go? Uh, I'm on Twitter at at Devlin1, D-E-V-L-I-N-1. It's my middle name and the number one. Um, and I'm on Twitter too much, especially these days. Um, the Kickstarter again is Skull Kickers, Caster Bastards, and the Great Grotesque. Nice. Thank you, sir. And then, Chris, where can people find you online? Uh, Twitter is the easiest way. Uh, Burlu underscore Chris. And uh, please um, stop sending me fake Mandalorian Season 2 trailers. <laughs> I got hit by that as well. Funny. The first right 10 down. were funny. The, uh, <laughs> but they did release the official one, so mm-hmm. I enjoyed that. But uh, yeah, I've seen about 10 fake ones now, I think. Being a big Star Wars guy, get excited, and then you're like, oh, yeah. it's another ad that somebody <laughs> popped in the middle on me. Or... Oh, I, I got Rickrolled. That was the one that I got. Did you did you see that one? Where it's literally the Rick, Rick Ashley song that plays like five seconds mm-hmm. in? Uh, no, the one I saw, it was about... 30 seconds of build up with the intro and the spaceship. And then it jumps yeah. to a different song. Uh, okay. um, I got the one where it's just somebody laughing like, ha ha, not yet. Like, <laughs> Son of a bitch. You've seen them all. Yeah. So I've seen a few. Excellent. Where, where can they find you? Uh, at the RPG Academy. Pretty much everything I do can be found there. Uh, the website, YouTube, Twitch, but Twitter's where I'm most active. I also doom scroll way too much. Um, I, I do have my Smallville podcast, Farm to Fable, where we're rewatching the entire series because what else are you going to do in quarantine? And we just recorded our final episode, season one, yesterday. I've already edited it and it's posted. So basically I'm done. Next two weeks, two more episodes will come out and then we'll take like a two month break and then start building up episodes for season two. But I'm having a lot of fun with it. So if you enjoy anything I do here at all and or you kind of like the Smallville TV show and or you were willing to try it. Go check out Farm to Fable, because I'm really proud of that show. Uh, and then a Catacon. I'll plug that. We still have almost two weeks left in our virtual convention because of COVID. We can't have an IRL convention this year as well, so we're doing a virtual one. Our Kickstarter has already funded. It's at a little over 200%, but it's still going to be really small. So we have plenty of room for other people to jump in and play games. We're going to be hosting panels, running RPG sessions, and even some tabletop stuff. Though that'll probably be through Tabletop Simulator, so it will require that people have that program. Uh, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it. So three bucks gets you a ticket, and you can pre-buy a badge for next year if you want. That's the only reason why we funded, uh, which helps us out because we still have bills to pay this year, even though we didn't have the event. But we're covered now. But, you know, money's still money. I can always put it in the bank and then use it next year. Uh, so with that, we'll throw it out to the audience for our final question and answer period. So this can be for any of the hosts. It can be for anything. doesn't have to be gaming related, though that makes sense. But it can pretty much be anything. And um, there's a bit of a delay, so we'll just kind of pause here for station identification. Um, so, Mike, uh, any yeah. other shows you've mentioned? I know you mentioned um, Lower Decks. Is there anything else that you will quick plug while we wait for people to maybe ask a question? You know, I was... 
there are two things. Uh, Stargirl and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. were happening concurrently. The last season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the first season of Stargirl. And they were both so great. Okay. I really enjoyed Stargirl a lot. Like, I, And I would watch it just like, I'm not going to record this on the DVR. I'm just going to, I'm going to see if I can be like a modern person and just watch it on the app, on the CW uh-huh. app. And see if I can do that every week, uh, if, if I'll remember. And um, it was really good. I, I loved it so much. <laughs> Start to finish. Uh, they got Luke Wilson to be on that show, which is like crazy. But yeah. it was it was it, it's it's like a little corny, you know, maybe more than a little corny. But it's it's good. It's, it's they handle it well. I was I was really surprised, pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I haven't um, checked that out yet. I do plan on it at some point in time. Yeah. And it, that's also don't they have Joel McHale is like the original. Yeah, Joel he, McHale he, was he dies like early in episode one yeah. or something. Yeah. And then I watched Agent of C- Shield like pretty religiously i guess for like the first four seasons then i kind of fell off of it but i did hear the last season was actually a really good season so I need yeah to circle really back good because yeah it had really for me i wasn't you know i watched it because i'm a completist like i watched all five seasons of heroes and i like <sighs> when maybe i like one episode <laughs> and i watched all of it and i was like hated it every time <laughs> yeah. i was like i gotta i just want to know the big story points where things mm-hmm. go so you know, so I, I I would say that because like I can watch anything if I'm interested enough to see where it goes. So, you know, I think a lot of us started watching Agents of Shield because we're like, wow, cool, a TV show that ties into the MCU, and it kind of does, but not really. Yeah. Um. So it kind of went in weird directions around season six, you know, four through six, but in season seven, they do an end game. They do an Avengers end game where they find an excuse to go back through previous stuff and like revisit it, and uh, it was really entertaining. They did they did a great job with it. Very cool. I definitely want to have to circle back to that one then. Uh, I'm wanting. I don't have HBO Max. I, I'm, I do everything on Roku, so I can't even get the app at the moment, which is yeah. really frustrating. But I'm really interested in checking out some of the shows that are on there now, like Doom Patrol. Yeah. Uh, I think they That's put fun. like the first episode on YouTube a while back, and I watched it. And I was like, this is really cool, but I can't watch any of the rest of it. The new Harley Quinn animated that was yeah. on DC Universe is now there. I've heard that's amazing. So, and then even Lovecraft Country. I want to watch that. So there's so many things on HBO right now that I can't watch. And so I've got a, a backlog. Eventually, I'm going to get to them. Did you watch Watchmen? I loved Watchmen. It was maybe yeah. the best thing I watched in, yeah. on TV so in good. a years. It was phenomenal. It also had yeah. a really good podcast that went with it. I think I listened uh, to that. That was... Um, it was know, the official yeah. one, right? By the actual yeah, was, creators. Yeah, it was Damon Lindelof and Chris Mazin. Is that the right name? Craig Mazin? Yeah. That sounds right. Um, the guy who did... Um, uh, Chernobyl, was interviewing Damon Lindelof about Watchmen, and it was interesting every time. So, yeah. I, if you like Watchmen, I say check that out. I actually I did. I did listen to that. Uh, I'm a big podcast guy in general, and actually, David Lindelof is a good get for an interview. He's been on several like guest star uh, episodes on stuff. He does. Uh, there's a Lost rewatch podcast, mm. and he's been on there several times talking about Lost. And uh, he also, I'm I'm going to screw this up. I think he was on like a panel. With the guy who does The Walking Dead, whose name is escaping me right now. Uh, Kurt. I'm not going to help much. Yeah. Kirkman? Kirkman. Robert Kirkman. I feel, yeah, I feel bad. I couldn't pull that. (laughs) Who is literally the twin of one of my best friends. Like, if you saw them together, you would think they're the same person, which is weird. And they both live close to each other or dead. I think Kirkman used to live in Richmond, Kentucky. That was like a big secret. But, or like, I know where this is. But anyway. Um, (laughs) But they did this thing 
where I don't, I can't even explain it. I don't, I don't want to ruin it, but basically those two on a panel together. And I don't know if I listened to it on, uh, it was a podcast that was replaying this panel. It was like the funniest thing I've ever heard was these two people just riffing. Cause Kirkman's really funny anyways. Yeah. And Lindelof's, God, he's just amazing writer. He's got a lot of knowledge and tells great stories. So I know I'm doing a terrible job selling this. I'll see if I can find it. And I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> but there's a podcast somewhere of those two together on a panel that is well worth your time to listen to because it's it's amazing. All right. Well, then we'll call it there. Mike, thank you so much for joining. I really appreciate you sharing the Kickstarter Thanks with for us. Having me. I'm going to go check it out. And again, there'll be links to it in the show notes to make it easy for great. other people. Thanks. And uh, we'll see you back in two weeks for the next detention. So what? Oh yeah, okay, not happened? necessarily you, but the, you, the audience. <laughs> oh okay. Yeah. Oh, no, this <laughs> is a contract. For. You're, you're here yeah. forever now. <laughs> awesome. All right, everybody, get the awkward wave out as I hit the button to say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy. Or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.